We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Blue Wire. The Chicago Bulls select Kobe White. Levine with the runway. Welcome to Cash Considerations, a Chicago Bulls podcast. We're part of the Blue Iron Network. I'm Ricky O'Donnell. As always, I'm here with Jason Pat. We got a special guest, John Chepkevich, here to talk about the 2021 NBA draft. Bulls, of course, picking number 38. Don't have a first round pick. They sent that out this year as part of the deal to bring in Nikola Vucevic. Uh, but before we get into some draft talk, Jason, there have been a few rumors flying around the Bulls in the last couple of days. There, there absolutely have a few only, not not really that many. I feel like it's been mostly quiet, which is kind of like the Bulls thing nowadays. Apparently, with AK just like operating in the shadows, which is uh, I don't really like it because I like having rumors to overreact to. But uh, I guess the the rumors we do have out there, I have like people are definitely overreacting because uh, we got some more Dennis Schroeder smoke out there today. I believe this was from Brian Windhorse. Uh, a few people have now met. I feel like it's been basically been Lonzo Ball, Dennis Schroeder. We've heard those two names like over and over from multiple places. So, I mean, we know the Lonzo thing. We've talked to Ad Nauseam about Lonzo. And uh, I guess like there was that trade with the Grizz- Grizzlies and Pelicans. Uh, I don't remember all the moving pieces. There was like Steven Adams and Bledsoe and Valanchunas and like the number 10 pick, 17, a couple second rounders. I think there was another first rounder, like a ton of, ton of shit in there. Uh, that did, I believe, that got the Pelicans off some salary. Uh, so that could have an effect on the Lonzo chase. Uh, it sounds like they're going to go after Kyle Lowry as well. Uh, I mean, I, I don't know if they'd try to keep like keep Lonzo and sign Lowry. Uh, there'll obviously be plenty of uh, competition for Lowry. I know the Bulls were mentioned for Lowry once as well. I'd be surprised if they signed him uh, at this point, given the other teams involved. But the, that trade could definitely have an impact on the Bulls-Lonzo chase. And then there's the Schroeder stuff. Again, I mentioned, I think that was from Windhorse today. Uh, not a huge fan. I, just thinking about it more, and I was looking at Schroeder's stats again recently. Like he played, he did have one like really good season with Billy Donovan. I think the reporting out there was that like Billy Donovan was kind of pushing for it. Uh, he had his best season of his career a couple years ago with Chris Paul with Billy Donovan. But just looking at the rest of his numbers, like he wasn't that good with the Lakers this year. He, like uh, I think the one season with the Thunder was like his one above average season of true true, true shooting percentage. Uh, I feel like there's been rumbling about there about his attitude isn't great. So like Dennis Schroeder stuff, like if the Bulls go out there and like give Dennis Schroeder a huge contract, like I'm just not going to like it very much. Ricky, quick thoughts on that before we get 
we start, we move on. Yeah. I think that, you know, the bulls obviously need point guard help. I think one area they could use help as well is just as someone who gets to the rim. Schroeder's pretty decent at that. I think he finished in the 70th percentile per cleaning the glass in terms of guards getting to the rim. So if it's on the right deal, I wouldn't hate it. Like the rumor was that Schroeder turned down what $80 million for three years for the Lakers. Lakers. Yeah. So if the market is really low now because of the way he ended the season, I'd be good with him on like a one year get right deal where he could hit the market next year, hopefully cash in after putting up some gaudy stats Certainly the Bulls have a big opportunity waiting for whoever they are going to sign at point guard, uh, especially with Kobe White's injury coming into the season. So on the right deal, I wouldn't hate it. But for a long term deal, nah, dude, I'm out. It just seems like Schroeder just seems like he's waiting to be one of the worst contracts in the league. It would have been if the Lakers would have signed him to that deal. And, uh, you know, they got lucky. Shades of Nerland's Noel, obviously. So uh I would prefer another guard option. I think Lonzo would be good. I think Lowry would be good. I think Connolly would be good. But it's worth noting that when Arturis Karnaschovas made his dramatic moves at the trade deadline for the Bulls a few months ago, uh, there was no smoke on either of those moves, right? Like nothing on Vooch, nothing on the Tice acquisition, along with Troy Brown. They sent out uh, Daniel Gafford famously to Washington. So I wouldn't be surprised if there's another move that's totally out of left field for the Bulls when the action gets started and potentially could be starting around the draft. Yeah, How's that absolutely. for a segue, Jace? Yeah, absolutely. I was going to say, first of all, as well, that uh, Team USA sucks. Uh, we uh, we have not recorded. Well, I guess our last recording fell into the ether of the internet. Unfortunately, we, were, we talked about USA that day and the finals, but uh uh, since then, Team USA lost, sucked against France. Zach Levine had one a few like one big basket. He started just a bad game for Team USA. They play against Iran tonight, like overnight. I think they're like a forty point favorite. I would hope they win that game. But Team USA, hot mess. Zach Levine apparently is cursed. But uh, let's go talk about the draft. Let's uh, enough of this stuff. Let's talk about the draft. Even though the Bulls do not have a first round pick, they do have number thirty eight, and there's plenty of rumors. Even with the Bulls not really involved. Always fun to talk about rumors. We got like the Thunder apparently trying to go get the number one pick, offering up Shea Gilgis Alexander. Who knows how true that is? I know. I think Troy Weaver denied that today. Uh, Rumors there's a lot of teams trying to jockey for position with the Pistons at number one. Uh, They're supposedly still debating between Cade, Jalen Green, and uh, Evan Mobley. Who knows how true that is? I feel like a lot of these people are saying that, but ultimately they're going to take Cade Cunningham. Um, possibly leverage plays like that. So obviously the rumor season around the draft is always a lot of fun. So Ricky, I'm going to turn it over to you and John to talk about the draft. I really got nothing to offer here. So I'm letting you guys roll on this. Yeah. So I'm trying to think how I know John. Uh, I think we were just in like a Twitter DM together about some draft talk. And I noticed John lived in Chicago Back before the pandemic sort of wiped away group activities, I invited him to my Monday night basketball run. I think we have a mutual friend, Alex, too. And John showed up, so I figure I'll give you a quick scouting report on John's game. I'd say super explosive athlete. The dude's got springs, reminiscent of like a prime AK-47. Big time shot blocker. I'd say like good lateral quickness, gets in the slide. And strong takes to the rim. So that's my personal scouting report on John's game as a pickup basketball player. Uh, John, thanks for joining us. You've been doing 
some really interesting work around the draft for the last couple seasons. You've got some new ventures uh, for this draft cycle. Do you want to introduce yourself and talk about what you've been doing in terms of covering this draft class? Sure. Thanks for that intro, Ricky. I mean, that, that scouting report was was pretty spot on. I've got to say that, that was pretty good. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I appreciate you having me on the podcast and, uh, the, you know, the past few years I've gotten involved. Um, what really got me going was the professional basketball combine or the PBC got involved with that early on and got to lead up the scouting for that. And it was a secondary NBA draft combine for guys who didn't get invited to the main draft combine. So some of our alumni for that were Jay Sean Tate, Kendrick Nunn, Desmond Bain, you know, guys of that ilk that kind of slipped through the cracks. So where I sort of specialized was in identifying under the radar talent and have kind of continued that forth into some consulting gigs and two of my full-time role at Stats Perform where uh, I do some work with our artificial intelligence-based scouting tool, as well as doing some public-facing work on the analyst.com. So, um, you know, that's been my trajectory there. And then rookiescale.com is my own little passion project venture where I'm just trying to put some, you know, unique draft content and good information out there, um, you know, taking some different angles with the agency side of things that people don't think about as much and just trying to you know, pump out some good info to those who are uh, really interested in the draft. So I asked John to come on because I figured he has a knowledge of like the draft class as a whole, not just the top of it. And he would be able to give us some options for the Bulls to look into yep. at number 38. Before we get into that, though, I just want to talk sort of big picture on this draft class. Uh, it's something that people have been asking me as I've been doing my own podcast appearances and radio hits ahead of this draft. Common question, how strong is this draft class compared to, you know, the last four or five years, however long you think that you've been investing in it? Uh, I have had a hard time answering that cla- that question. There's a few different ways to look at it. You know, how do you judge a draft? Typically, I feel like most people just judge it by the talents at the top. If there's a no-brainer type of guy at the top, that's an indication of a strong draft. Uh, you could also look at it as talent throughout the lottery however strong you think the top 60 is in terms of guys you think are going to get drafted. So open-ended question, John, how strong is this draft compared to, you know, the last handful of years? Yeah. I mean, that that's definitely tough to say. Um, you know, the draft with Luca and Trey and Deandre Ayton and Jaron Jackson, right? Like what, what was that? 2018. Trey Gilgis, Alexander, Michael yeah, Porter SBA, Jr. That was 2018. Whole, yeah, exactly. That whole crew there, it's, it's going to be hard to, I think surpass that level of, you know, if you did a redraft, the top 10 or so guys there, that's like a really strong class. Um, This class obviously has been touted as having the, uh, you know, that consensus top five throughout the year that people were saying that, oh, any of these five guys could have been number one in, you know, previous draft classes. I think that's cooled a little bit, um, you know, with Kuminga sliding a little bit and, uh, you know, the top three, maybe you can make that case for with Cade, Mobley and Green, uh, maybe Suggs. But all in all, I think it's a solid draft, a good draft class. And I think the depth is a little bit oversold. Like it's not crazy, crazy deep, in my opinion. I think every year uh, people who love the draft and are super invested in the draft tend to think that that draft is the deepest class in a long time because you spend so much time uh, diving into the weeds of it. So that's kind of your natural inclination as a human being. But 
I think, home syndrome, baby. Yeah, seriously, you, you can drive yourself crazy with that. But all in all, I think my answer is that this is a solid, good draft, but not like notably great or notably bad off the bat. Yeah, I think what jumps out to me is I think Cade would be in contention to go number one in most drafts. Yeah. Certainly, you wouldn't have gone number one over Zion. Uh, if you're smart like me, you had Luca number one the entire year, <laughs> even dating back to you know the day after the 17 draft or whatever. So he wasn't better than Luca, who should have went number one in that draft, even though he didn't. Uh, but in most, like he would have gone ahead of Anthony Edwards. Like he's probably like a yeah. Carl Towns level of prospect. Probably yeah. a better prospect than Ben Simmons. Uh, I'm just trying to go through like recent years. Like, is he better than College Fultz? Uh, I loved College Fultz. I don't know how much you watched him at the time, but yeah, I think that he's at that level. And honestly, I love Mobley. I think Mobley yeah. is fantastic. If yeah. I'm a Cavs fan, dude, the fact that the Rockets seem like they're going to pass on him, you're going to get Evan Mobley at three. I could not be more thrilled if I'm a Agreed. Cleveland fan. Love the fit with him next to Jared Allen. Love him with the two small guards. We'll see if they hang on to Sexton. But I'd have Mobley second. I think Mobley's the caliber of prospect that could go number one in a lot of drafts. And Jalen Green is a guy who, like, I was a little skeptical of, I think, heading into the G League. And now I'm like, you know what? He'll probably average 29 points a game right. in his prime. So he can't be that bad. He's got to be pretty good. He has a few holes, but I think, in general, very good prospect. Uh, seems like most people have Suggs for. And then Cliff. So I guess one thing I want to ask you. Isn't Scotty Barnes been up, going up to this four? I feel like I've been reading like a lot of Scotty Barnes love lately. Well, I was going to ask you who you have five, John, but do you have any hot takes on four that would be interesting to us? No, I, I mean, I don't have any hot takes on four. I'm with you um, as far as Mobley being number two for me. Um, I agree. If I was the Cavs, I'd be ecstatic about the opportunity to not have to do anything and just pick him third. That's great. Uh, but yeah, once you get past the top four with Suggs being fourth, uh, I, I like Scotty Barnes. I think there are, you know, a lot of appealing aspects to his game and by all accounts, you know, good Intel off court, the measurements are good, kind of funky game and quirky skill set. Like it's easy to fall in love with a, a guy like that. Um, you know, it's hard for me to get there at five personally. Um, but then, you know, when you look at the rest of the array of guys, like everybody is somewhat flawed in one way or another. I mean, I, I tend to like, uh, I like Franz a lot, but I mean, you and I have talked about that before, but Franz at five, that's, that's tough, right? Like it, it, there's a kind of significant drop off there where a lot of these guys, you'd be way more comfortable picking them, you know, nine to 14 than you would at five, six or seven. So, I mean, I, I wouldn't be surprised to see people try to like trade out of there and recoup some value if they feel that somebody else down the line values that pick and is willing to offer them more assets in return. But it really just, it really just depends. Uh, I mean, I love Josh Giddy as well. I'm a, I'm a big fan of Giddy. I did a remote film room session with him and, you know, believe he is, you know, one of these guys that could really make a difference, like the tall initiator types that, you know, his shooting was the question, but I, I don't think it's going to be a huge issue long-term. Like, I think that there's room to grow there and it's not broken. So I, I don't know. I, I don't think I have a great answer for you on like who is the clear cut number five, but there's a cluster of guys there uh, that are all kind of vying for that, that slot. But it seems like Barnes is going to go five. That, that seems to be uh, 
pretty well established at this point. Barnes five seems like the, the likely path. Yeah. Well, the reason I asked you is because I did a big board for SB nation and I was really going back and forth on who yeah. I should put at five. And I remember, as you alluded to earlier during this winter, I texted John at one point. I'm like, John, I think I'm going to put Franz top 10. Is that crazy? And John's like, nah, dude, go for it. Like, that's not crazy at all. I put Franz five now. So yeah. I just kept talking myself into it. Dang, uh, the fact that he's apparently 6'11 now just makes him even cooler. So, uh, <laughs> you know, you could probably say this about a lot of guys in this class, but like it comes down to the shot. It really comes down to the shot for Franz yeah. because he's going to be drafted in part because of his shooting ability, because he's a better shooter than Barnes, better shooter than Jalen Johnson, some of the other big forwards in this class. Yeah. You're going to be expecting him to be able to space the floor from day one in a way that those other guys aren't going to be expected to do it. So uh, Franz, I think he was 34% this year from three, very sort of hesitant in his head shooter at times when he misses a couple, he gets a little down on himself. Uh, That's who I would want at eight. If the Bulls kept their pick, I would be like, give me Franz, let him play next to Vooch provide a little more defensive versatility, a little supplemental rim protection. I mean, Franz and Pat, that could have been pretty tight. Yeah. Uh, Of course, this is a scenario where the Bulls acquire Vooch without giving up their first round pick this year. I think based on that, you'll probably like uh, one of my suggestions for 38 then, based on that. Perfect. Perfect. So I guess we should just move into that. Well, before we do that, let's uh, take a quick break and uh, got something to talk about, and that's Blue Wire Hustle. If you love listening to us here on Cash Considerations, what's stopping you from grabbing a mic and starting your own show? And there's no better place to host than Blue Wire Hustle. Hustle is created to give everyone the opportunity to take your podcast to the next level. Or if you want to host a podcast and just don't know where to start, Hustle is the perfect place for you. As part of the program, you'll receive personal cover art, Q&As with Blue Wire's top podcasters, access to our community Discord, and an e-learning course full of tips and tricks. And on top of all that, we'll help you get your show pushed out to Apple, Spotify, Google, Stitcher, and all other listening platforms. Best part is, you can get all this for only $15 a month. That is the same rate as any other hosting site would charge you just for the, for the initial setup. So if you're ready to do more than just listening to us talk about your favorite team, then make your voice heard and hustle. Acceptance into this program is limited, so get your application in today. To apply, go to bwhustle.com slash join, and you can check out the description box in this episode to find out more. Again, that's bwhustle.com slash join. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. 
We are back. Cash Considerations, a Chicago Bulls podcast. We're about to talk about the Chicago Bulls and the number 38 pick in the draft. So let's do that. So, yeah. John, you say, say you got a couple of suggestions in mind. Uh, hit us with one right now. Number 38, who, give us one player you'd consider. So fitting with that descriptor that you just gave of how you would like Franz in that mold, uh, another kind of rangy wing that, you know, can provide some versatile defense, maybe some help side room protection, uh, kind of similar mold, but actually a more established shooter in college is uh, Kessler Edwards out of Pepperdine. I think that could be an interesting fit at 38. He a- actually happens to be sitting right at 38 on the rookie scale uh, consensus board right now. So very much right in that uh, in that range. Um, he's got a little bit of like funky shot mechanics going on, but you know, this is a guy who's like a consistent 40% shooter on decent volume throughout his career at Pepperdine and was one of the best defenders at the NBA combine. He, he didn't do too much offensively in the scrimmages, but you know, he was locking people up. He was stepping up to the challenge of covering guys like, you know, Bones Highland, who was cooking everybody at the combine. You know, that, that just seems to be a guy that, you know, plug and play wing with size that can shoot and defend that could, could make some sense in the mold of what you were speaking to. So that's funny because when the lottery happened and the bulls pick was top four protected, uh, they did not get to keep it. I immediately tweeted the player. I would like at number 40 at the time. I probably said number 40. It was really 38 is Kessler Edwards. So yeah, I'm totally on the same page with you. Uh, how would you describe his defense? Would you say that he's more comfortable on the perimeter, more comfortable on the interior? Does he have a background as being a big man? Obviously he's six, eight with a six eleven wingspan, but he's kind of skinny, 200 pounds, but like he sort of plays like a big man. I feel like at times, just in terms of like how he sort of cuts offensively moves around the floor. Uh, so I guess you start with his defense, but like sort of, how do you view his defense? Yeah, I mean, I think it's fair to look at him that way. And I think you were kind of spot on with that. Like, this is a guy with a career 4.8 block percentage, right? Like, that's not really, uh, you know, a common number for a perimeter player, right? A lot of his time was spent, like, coming in from the help side, weak side rim protection, you know, making impact plays, like, has a good steal percentage to, you know, 1.8. It's not crazy, but it's, like, solid. This is a guy who makes impact plays on the defensive end and the shot blocking. I think lends itself to being able to play some four potentially if you can put some weight on. Right. But it's kind of all interchangeable when you have them flanking Pat Williams, right? Like those guys can kind of dependent on matchups, kind of figure out like Pat can probably take the stronger guy of the two Kessler can take, you know, the one that, you know, is maybe a little thinner. I think they can both play on the perimeter, play inside a little bit. And I think in today's NBA, you want guys at the forward positions that can, be versatile and switchable and, you know, interchangeable in lineups and give your coaching staff flexibility in that regard. Uh, Love the Kessler suggestion. I think that's terrific. I'm going to throw one at you and I want you to react to it. How about JT Thor? First of all, do you think he's still on the board at 38? Probably not. I don't. I I think he's probably gone. Um, I mean, that's obviously been one of those guys that, you look at the counting stats in the regular season and it's, you know, nothing to write home about. Uh, I think he was what, like 29% from three, nine points, five boards, like not, it's nothing, nothing crazy, but 
you know, you could see that the talent was there. He's a top 50 recruit. He's about six foot 10, still kind of skinny, but, you know, very talented player that we suddenly found out was a year younger than we thought he was the whole time, like a month ago. Uh, wow. So really young prospect with a lot of, a lot of upside that I think has captured the attention of teams throughout the pre-draft process and showcased things that he wasn't really able to show at Auburn. And it seems like he's trending more toward uh, being, you know, one of the, maybe the last pick of the first round or one of those like first five or six picks of the second round and getting on a, you know, team friendly guaranteed contract and, you know, someone kind of trying to work with him and make the best of that project. But I think he's probably gone by the time the bulls are up at 38. All right. I am going to ask you for another name at 38, but I just thought of another question I should ask you since you did this last year. Jason and I will often bring up the Bulls second rounder last season, Marco Simonovic. Yeah. And we don't know really much about him. Like I can give you a vague scouting report on the guy, but yeah. uh, I got to say I'm flying a little bit in the dark. on him. So uh, obviously he played for a huge program overseas yeah you know log big minutes this past year can you give us some background on him and uh and then in addition to that if you have any insight on if he could come over and join the bulls this year i feel like i recall hearing some buzz within the past couple weeks about him coming stateside and uh sounds like he's going to casey johnson i think said i mean he had those like instagram posts from his agent uh and i think casey said in his most recent column that it sounds like he's going to be on the team Right. Yeah. I mean, I think that makes sense. Uh, he's, he's a really talented guy. Uh, he's represented by Mishko, uh, as well as Excel. Um, they partner there and, uh, Mishko runs the, uh, the program that you were referring to KK mega B max or KK mega soccer bet, uh, nowadays for sponsorship reasons. But, uh, so <laughs> I- I'm always interested with that particular club, uh, about the context of any given player there because it's like an agent run club essentially. So like this year, Philip Petrushev, uh, who left Gonzaga last year as a sophomore and is now auto eligible for the draft this year, uh, was playing for mega B max. And I think he won the ABA league MVP and, you know, had crazy, crazy numbers that you don't typically see over there. So it's kind of interesting to like keep an eye on, you know, their, their attempt like Mishko's attempt to prop up certain prospects in a given year. Uh, but, you know, Simonovic was in that mold as a guy who, you know, it was this kind of stretch big man, six foot 11, 220 something, 230 pounds. And uh, I, I think that ultimately, you know, with uh, the new front office in place, that pick, you know, kind of made sense and stashing them for a year made sense. And now uh, bringing him over now, I think, will be a lift uh, for the Bulls. He might not play too much early on, but like this is a guy who's been playing high-level professional basketball for a few years now. And, you know, if you can have a guy who's 6'11 and stretching the floor, I think that that helps everybody out. And I think he'll be able to contribute, uh, you know, probably after he gets his feet wet early on in the season. By midseason, I would think he'll be, um, you know, easily in the rotation. So, cool. so I, I was going to say, I was going to say the easy comparison, obviously, just because it sounds like Lowry Markkinen is gone. Uh, and so a lot of people assume, oh, this guy's coming over. He's basically going to take Lowry's spot. How would you compare his game? I mean, you said big stretch, big. 
how would you compare his game to Lowry? Because, I mean, we had high hopes for Lowry, and he had a nice shooting season this year, but he just can't do shit else. So, like, will this guy have a more diverse game than Lowry Markin? What do, just, I just guess the comparison there. How, how close is it? Can we expect more from him? What do you think? Yeah, I, I mean, I would say that Markin is a more bona fide shooter, right? Like, uh, yeah. Simonovich is more so, like, a 6'11 guy that can stretch the floor yeah. and do it aptly but not not like a dynamite lights out knockdown shooter right like this year he shot 32 percent from three on four and a half attempts a game right and for his you know past few seasons he's kind of in line with that like low 30 so it's nothing nothing necessarily to write home about there but the free throw percentage is typically in the upper 70s to low 80s the shot form looks good um i i think you can see it kind of translating but uh, I think he hits the glass way better than Markin in is probably the big difference there for something in his favor, right? Like he's more physical on the glass and can bang around inside a little bit more than Markin in. So, you know, a little bit worse of a shooter, more of a physical presence, I would say. All right. Yeah. I think, you know, why not bring him over, see what he can do. Uh, the thing with Markin in is he had these, heavy expectations on his shoulders that, yeah. you know, post Jimmy Butler trade, he was going to be the future face of the franchise. Right. The Bulls started that rebuild. Well, they went whiff, 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 whiff in the draft. And now they're kind of in this position where they needed to cash in some assets, get a veteran like Vucevic as Zach started to level up. Uh, just, uh, yeah, just different scenario with him, but I am excited for him on the team. All right. Give me another name on th- at 38 who you think could be available and why you think he'd be a decent fit for the Bulls. Sure. So, I mean, some of this will hinge on what the free agency plans end up being, right? Like you were alluding to some potential free agent targets as far as getting more ball handlers in there. Um, but if they decide to go that direction in the draft instead um, or even, I mean, they could always use oh. more ball handlers, but <laughs> a, guy, a guy that I think is k- kind of rising in the pre-draft process that could make some sense is Jason Preston out of Ohio. Yeah. Uh, lead guard, r- really fun story, uh, averaging like two points per game his senior year of high school, sending his YouTube clips around to coaches and then Ohio giving them a scholarship, just really cool story. But, you know, a guy who's really come into his own now and is, uh, you know, six four. Um, I think one of only two prospects to average 14, seven and seven in this draft class and the other is Josh Giddy. And, you know, those are obviously just box score counting stats, but that's a high level of production. Even if we're talking about the Mac, like this is a guy with good size and good passing vision. And I think is a little bit of an underrated athlete. Like he did decently well at the combine and played pretty well at the combine too. So He'll be, you know, firmly in the mix there. Like, I think his stock is that, that, you know, he's going to be picked somewhere around 38 to, you know, 45, like is what I would expect. So bulls are on kind of the front end of that range, but, you know, if they kind of fall in love with him in the pre-draft process, he can make some sense there. Pretty sure he torched Illinois this season, right? Right at the beginning of the year. I think they almost won. Well, I almost won that game and he, he just went off. Think right? Am I crazy? Virginia in the NCAA tournament. I remember that one for sure. They were a 13 seed, beat Virginia as a four seed. That's right. Yeah. Interesting. He's tall and he can really (laughs) pass. So those are two good attributes for a guard. I'm not sure if he has the physicality 
I'd probably like other players over him in that spot, but man, he'd like immediately be the best passer on the Bulls. I don't know who's who's the best passer on the team right now. Ed Young? Ed Young, Boosh? probably, yeah. Know. Zach is getting better, but like, I'm last year it was probably, I mean, Sato's a good passer, but like, I don't, I don't know. They have a bunch of like okay passers. There's no one that's that bad good. Uh, any wings you think could be decent here? Just like lightning round, Bulls I guess. Bulls need wings. Herb yeah, Jones. I, I mean, so Kessler was the first one that comes yeah, to yeah. comes to mind. But, I mean, once you start looking at other wings in this vicinity, like you have your Joe Wieskamp's an option, right, uh, kind of rising into that kind of area of the draft. Uh, I think it's probably a little early for a guy like Isaiah Livers, most likely. Uh, but, you know, I do like his game. He's been I like Livers too. Yeah, Livers is a stud. He's just really good. He's been dealing with injury problems though. So I'm curious if like the medicals come into play there. He's always kind of had some issues. He was, I think he was in a boot, um, you know, as recently as like a month ago or a month and change ago. So, uh, you know, that's one to keep an eye out for. Aaron Henry is kind of in this range as well as another, you know, big 10 guy. Not really sure you know, I haven't heard too much from him in the pre-draft process. Like he's a guy who has had a lot of draft buzz the past few years playing alongside Cassius Winston, Xavier Tillman on a prominent program. Like the offensive creation hasn't like truly come to form, but like, you know, as a guy that can really defend on the wing, he makes sense. I really like him. I, yeah. I've always liked him. Yeah. I, I like him too. It's another one of those, like if he shoots, then he's, then he's good type things. Right. Uh, so I think you have a lot of those guys in this range, like Herb Jones is kind of in this. He's not going to shoot. Well, he's not going to shoot, but (laughs) that's, that's fair. The chances of him shooting are pretty low, but yeah, I think you're seeing a lot of wings of the, of that kind of mold here, but livers will shoot. So uh, that, that one, that one definitely could fit, but I, I would be surprised to see him picked, uh, 38th, but I, I personally would, if the medical is checked out, then sure. Like that's a guy that I think could come right in and play and add value pretty quickly. Uh, how do you feel about David Johnson? Cause I was pretty high on David Johnson. I had him as a first round pick in my mocks of SB nation yeah. uh, throughout the year, even until like January and then kind of cooled on him a little bit. I'm not really sure if, uh, if I cooled too much though, like he's still, there's still a lot to like about his game. I think even though he didn't have the most inspiring second season at Louisville, what do you think about David Johnson potentially at 38 big six foot five lefty guard, uh, pretty interesting player, I think. Yeah, I I could see that he's one of these guys. I, I, you know, kind of what you were alluding to there, I think across the board, he was a guy I thought of as being like a first round guy and then suddenly plummeted and you see him in like fifties and stuff on uh, some of these mocks and on these boards, but, and he did shoot, you know, much better from three this year, right? Last year in, you know, limited minutes, he only shot like one, three per game and shot 21% this year. He's putting up four and a half at like a 39% clip. So you have to be happy with the shooting improvement. I think he's just like, you know, a little bit sloppy with the ball with an even assist to turnover ratio this year. And, uh, you know, really struggled, like kind of finishing at the rim and taking some difficult uh, pull up shots, right? Like the shot repertoire was like a little bit like off kilter and maybe that plus the turnovers threw people off. But 
Yeah, I mean, I think the talent's there to still, you know, be a viable potential pick at 38, like at one, in the mid-second round. I think that that's totally reasonable. Next guy, this is the lightning round portion of the podcast, Jeremiah Robinson Earl, a six foot nine power forward sophomore from Villanova. He was another guy who I had mocked as a one and done coming out of high school yeah. for a while. And then I feel like he just lost some momentum and is now maybe getting momentum back. I've been hearing some recent buzz about Jeremiah Robinson Earl. He's been around on the map forever, like played at a high level high school. Is he IMG Academy out of high school? Am I just humiliating myself on this? Uh, you even not know? Anyways, I, he played at a prep powerhouse high school. I'm pretty yeah. sure. So like he was playing national TV games in high school. Yeah. Comes to Nova, you know, shortly after their championship runs and was expected to be a pillar of the program. Nova very good while he was on the team, but he never quite ascended to like true superstar status. Uh, any, any takes on Robinson Earl? I mean, I, I like Robinson Earl. I, I think that his stock has probably fallen a bit too much. Um, like even more so than David Johnson. Like, I feel like the, the drop for Robinson Earl is probably a little too far. Um, I mean, I, I think the knock on him is probably athleticism, right? Like he doesn't have too much vertical pop. He's not super explosive, but I mean, when you have guys that are, you know, a solid six foot nine and can, uh, you know, pass at the four and hit the glass and like kind of contribute in a variety of ways. Like even if they're not super, super athletic or like amazing shooters, I feel like he can add enough, add value in a bunch of ways. And, uh, yeah, he's a guy that I think probably warrants a pick in the thirties, uh, like a guaranteed deal, I would think. Um, so that, that could make some sense, but what do you think as far as like, a a fit with the bulls. Like that was kind of a more macro level, like what I think about him. Like how, how do you think that he would slide in on the bulls? Well, I think the bulls just really, the end of the bulls bench was just terrible this past season. I mean, you had Cristiano Felicio making $8 million a year. He might be one of the worst players in the NBA. I mean, all respect to the guy, but like, he just wasn't really playable, especially at that salary slot. You had Archie Diacono, who's like, hey, he's just a guy. Like, he shouldn't really be on the team again. Denzel Valentine uh, did have one legendary moment where he took a hilarious deep pull-up three in the final minute of a game, I believe, against Miami, which was probably Correct. like top three highlight of the bowl season in terms of like how much I deeply enjoyed it. Please get Denzel Valentine way <laughs> off this team. I never want to watch him play basketball again. So basically they have a lot of roster spots they can turn over. John's looking at me like, you're crazy, dude. You're being really mean right now. Uh, they have a lot of roster spots they can turn over. So yeah. I think that they just need guys who have a chance to be competent rotation players, ideally offering a little upside with Robinson Earl. I mean, maybe like he's got a little juice off the dribble as a grab and go rebounder. Maybe I'm being way too optimistic about this, but like he seems like a guy who could potentially just be an NBA player and hold down some minutes. And yeah, I mean, they need more bodies in the front be court. Better outside. than Amino. <laughs> They don't have any wings. He's not really a wing, but he's not really a five either. So he's probably someone who's going to play at the four. Yeah. Uh, take Aminu's spot. <laughs> yeah. You know, you can take Aminu is another guy who, you know, making $10 million a year comes over in the trade with Sucks. Orlando. He can't play. So <laughs> they just have a lot of roster spots they need to turn over. Uh, DJ Stewart in this draft, right? Yeah. He, I have yeah. to like double check on that. So that's a <laughs> Chicago kid. 
He's Whitney Young High School, one of the best players in the area, goes to Duke, started, right? Like the majority of the year, the whole year for Duke as a freshman guard. Duke mm-hmm. wasn't good. DJ Stewart, uh, I had to double check if he's in the draft, but he's in the draft. So because he's a local kid, just sort of a, a fascinating story. What, what yeah. do you think about him entering this draft? Yeah, I mean, I was I was surprised to see him enter the draft. Um, you know, I understood like what the idea was of him, but it's always going to be tough when you're like six foot one and skinny and not a true point guard. Right. That's like a kind of tough starting place. Um, six, seven wingspan though. I mean, that helps a little bit, helps a little bit, but, uh, yeah, I mean, he's one of these guys that, you know, came in with high expectations and he, he wasn't bad this year. Like he, he was, totally okay at Duke this year, but it was kind of a disaster of a season for them. Jalen Johnson living, leaving midseason kind of uh, took some of the attention there. And, you know, he was kind of just stuck in a tough spot, but I mean, I think it would have made sense for him to ultimately return and try to boost his stock next season. And I mean, oftentimes my, I usually err on the side of like, go, like go ahead enter the draft, like do it, like go for it. But you know, if you're not really like in the ballpark of a draft selection, like, I mean, he's, he could be drafted. It's not impossible, but like after his NBA combine performance, which was, he was probably one of the worst players there in the scrimmages. He had a really, really tough go there. And it, it, it's just, it's just an odd situation. He seems like he probably still gets a two-way contract. I would guess when it's all said and done, but I don't think that that's what he was expecting when he, you know, went to Duke and was a top 25 recruit. And yeah, maybe he just thought that he was meant to be a one and done uh, and, you know, just didn't kind of stray from that expectation. But I thought it was an odd decision, I guess. All right. Last guy I'm going to ask you about probably won't be there at 38, but I know he's near and dear to Jason's heart as an Illinois alum is IO. I was going to, I was going to ask about him. So thank you for just doing that. Yeah. Uh, General thoughts on IO what you think his draft range could be, how you think his game could be successful in the NBA, why you think it might work, why you think it might not work. Uh, what do you think? Yeah. I mean, he had a hell of a season. Um, and I know until the know, end, <laughs> until the end, I mean, but you know, can't, can't overweigh that yeah. particularly, but I, I mean, he had, he had a great season. He's got good size, uh, kind of wiry, strong guy, right? Like seems like, He'll be able to, you know, come in and handle some physicality. I think he'll be just fine with that. The shooting has improved a good bit uh, over the course of his career. And I I mean, I don't love him as a prospect. Like I'm not one of these that's like, oh, I was a bona fide, you know, first rounder should be picked in the top 20 type. But to me, he seems like an early second round type, like one of the first five or so picks of the second round is what I would think. But I you know, just this morning was seeing some, some buzz out and about out there about, um, you know, teams around 20 or so. I saw that too. Like Knicks, Lakers, you know, that was being rumored that, uh, that was kind of his wheelhouse. And, you know, somebody said they had a source that said he wouldn't fall past the Lakers. I don't know how true that is, but uh, I mean, I would have expected his range to be about like from that, you know, 22 or so to 35, like that would have been my guess. Um, but he's a, he's a nice player. He's a nice player. You know, he's been around for three years, had a really nice career, but 
you know, not a guy that I'm gonna, you know, break, break the bank for and pick it like 18 or something when there are some, you know, more interesting options on the board. Uh, if you fill the bulls, I'd take him at 38. Sure. Why not? <laughs> yeah. I mean, if you're sure. there at 38, yeah, why not? I agree. That's great. Okay. Value there, yeah. Yeah. Uh, last thing I want to ask you is that, you know, just on the personal board I released, I had Sharif Cooper at nine, Jaden Springer at 11. Uh, I have to plug my Sharif Cooper story that I published today. I talked to Sharif on Friday along with his father. And last night I wrote a 2300 word story on his path through basketball, his frustrating year at Auburn, his undefeated season playing with Isaac Okoro, McEastern. So go check out that Sharif story. It's on SBNation.com. If Sharif falls to like past 25, let's say he's fallen to like 29. Same thing with Springer falling to 29. Is it worth it to try to trade up? What does a trade up even look like in that scenario? If you're the bulls, do you think that that is a smart idea to try to trade up? If one of those guys falls, do you think I'm crazy for ranking them both as top 11 prospects? I I don't think you're crazy. I'm not, I mean, I don't like love either of those guys, maybe as much as uh, like draft Twitter generally does. Right. Um, But I mean, if they fall that far, the value proposition is, is crazy. Right. And I don't know exactly what it would cost to move from 38 to 29 or something. Um, I'm in the process of putting together my own sort of mock draft right now that should be released on Thursday morning on the analyst. And it's still a work in progress, but right now I have both of those guys actually being mocked back to back to the Houston Rockets with those, uh, picks in the early twenties, um, which, you know, would kind of eliminate that scenario from consideration if that does happen. But yeah, I mean, I, I, I don't know. I mean, what would you be comfortable say that you were in the GM chair? What would you be comfortable giving up to move from 38 to 29 to snag one of those guys? Yeah, I don't know. Do the Bulls have any even somewhat appealing trade chips? Like they have you're a not bunch of seconds. First round pick. I think they have a bunch, a bunch of extra seconds. seconds. Can we trade Lowry Markinen? <laughs> like in some sort of sign and trade deal? Uh, Maybe. Yeah, the Bulls don't have a ton of assets. So. Yeah. What do you think, Jason? Am I forgetting about? Some? I mean, you have your assets right now. It's Patrick Williams. Obviously, you're not t- using him in that contract. I mean, Kobe, Troy Brown Jr., Lowry, second maybe round Troy picks. Brown, you could deal. I kind of like Troy Brown. I'm excited to watch him next season. But maybe you part with him to move up ten spots in the draft. And if you really like a guy, maybe. I mean, Troy Brown's like a he's a guy right now. It's like. I mean, I don't know how much they like him and or how much they would like either of those guys or if there's any other guy, if they wanted to move up 10 or so spots into the first round. Like can Starver that. just sell the pick. He's got 29. Maybe he'll just sell it and then <laughs> can just buy it. Fresh off a of finals appearance. That'd be a great look. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. But yeah, I know. I mean, that's that that'd be awesome to, you know, come into the draft only wielding one second round selection and end up with either of those guys. That'd be, that'd be fantastic. Right. Um, so, you know, keep the dream alive, at least until <laughs> night of something like that happening. That'd be great. I just wanted to plug my story because it's not going to have a long shelf life. So yeah, yeah. absolutely. Go, go Gotta do it. Gotta do it. Uh, 
I got nothing else. I got, I got one more question. One Not more. about this draft. I want to ask about Patrick Williams uh, just because. Oh, obviously. perfect. Yeah. I mean, he went fourth last year, kind of out of nowhere. It, weird draft process with COVID. Uh, late riser goes to the Bulls at number four. Where did you have him last year? Do you think that was a reach? How do you, what'd you make of his first season and just how he projects moving forward? Um, I mean, I think it kind of caught people by surprise, at, at least. I mean, a couple of days before it started to leak yeah. out there that that was a possibility. So it wasn't a total blind side when it happened. But I think in the weeks leading up to the draft, he wasn't really thought to be, you know, a top five guy, but he was getting up there into the 10, 12, 8, 7, like in I mean, that mix. So, you know, I, I thought it was a totally fine pick. Um, I, I didn't think that it was all that crazy. And I think it comes to down to what we were a few things we were talking about before earlier, when you have a guy at the four like that, that can, you know, bring a lot on both ends, like defensive versatility, some shot, you know, some potential shot creation improvement in the future, like, you know, some of the best thighs in the NBA, there's that too. <laughs> just like just the, the, the physique is like that. That's the, that's the guy that that's a guy you want to build around. Honestly, like he, he, he's a good player. He obviously, at Florida state, similar to what we're seeing with uh, Scotty Barnes right now, right. A lot of times the wading through the context of what people's roles are at Florida state can be a little bit tricky because, you know, neither of those guys, I think started more than half of their games in their respective freshman seasons. Right. And uh, Patrick Williams was, I think the youngest domestic player in the draft last year. So I think there was enough like tantalizing upside there to go ahead and take a swing. I thought it was a, you know, a solid pick and uh, I wouldn't, I wouldn't totally, you know, second guess it by any means. I think that uh, I think that's a guy that you're, you're, you're content with that pick when it's all said and done and should be excited about him going forward. We all love him. He's also probably their best trade chip. So yeah. if they're going to make a move because Vucevic is going to be 31 this year, like, Pat's going to be 20. So are they on the same timeline? You got Zach coming into this year, expiring deal. Gavoni has mentioned him a few times as like a guy who could change teams this week. I don't know if you guys have picked up on that. He was on the Zach or Pat. Uh, Gavoni mentioned that Zach could change teams, you know, as a free agent. Obviously his contract's going to expire. Bulls haven't been any good. Bulls (laughs) will probably offer him. A full boat max. I assume Zach takes that money, but you know, Zach Levine's never won four games in a row in his entire career. He might not do it on USA basketball yeah. in the Olympics. <laughs> Cursed. Really, really disappointing. But uh, you know, Pat, we'll see. I think that at the time I was excited. Uh now you'd probably say, well, maybe they missed out on Halliburton. Halliburton yeah. would have been a good. Fit yeah. next back. I didn't Halliburton, like Halliburton's, time. Halliburton's one of those kind of tricky ones where it's like, I think there were some extracurriculars going on uh, to cause him to slide as far as he did. Like I would, I think that maybe his agency, you know, wanted him to end up in Sacramento and thought that was a good situation for him. So kind of helped him navigate the pre-draft process to end up there. Right. Um, at least that's something that I, I've heard some rumblings of, but yeah. there's like, you know, what, seven or eight teams that have that same regret on Halliburton, um, you know, once you got past the top three there. So 
uh, yeah, obviously that he'd be a perfect fit, but I, I just, I, I have a feeling that he didn't just drop to 12 or wherever he was just on his own merit or lack thereof. And I still don't know if I would take a mulligan on that pick. Like Pat could easily be better yeah. than him five years from now, seven years from now, whatever it is. Entirely we'll possible. Yeah. We'll see if Pat's still on the bulls because the bulls are thinking win now. Uh, that's why they don't have the number eight pick in this draft because they dealt that for Vooch. So uh, that does it for me, Jason. You too. John, I'm- thanks for your time. Uh, John, you want to plug anything else on, on your way out? Where can people find you? Where can they follow your work? Plug all your stuff. Sure. Yeah. You can uh, follow me on Twitter at John Chep. Uh, you can follow Rookie Scale at Rookie Scale or go to rookiescale.com. Uh, and you'll see some of my other work on theanalyst.com. Uh, that's where the mock draft will be posted on Thursday morning. You can also follow the analyst on social media at Opta Analyst. Uh, so just keep an eye out for all of that. And, you know, obviously excited to, you know, get rolling into 2022 here, uh, you know, at the tail end of the week and, you know, never, never stops, never stops. I got a 2022 mock draft coming out on Friday. I got it 80% written. So I need to finish that up over the next couple of days, but I'm excited for that class too. Initial impression on that class to me, not as good as 2021, maybe more interesting throughout the lottery, maybe more depth throughout the lottery, but I don't think it has anyone on the level of the top three players in this draft. That's my early take. Yeah. That, that I might could, end up looking stupid. We'll see. Well, that could be the, that could be the case, but then you, you know, you look back at this draft and we thought BJ Boston and Zaire right. Williams were going to be top five, six picks. It's just so, it's still so unpredictable, even though uh, so many people have gotten really in depth on scouting at the youth levels and AAU and, FIBA you this and FIBA you that like it's still just so uncertain uh and there's a lot of value to be gleaned by the the forthcoming scouting season uh next year when a lot of these guys play their freshman season so you know excited to kind of sift through all that check out your mock draft and uh you know ultimately for draft day to be here on Thursday that's uh always one of the most fun days of the year I got Peyton Watson seven, and I'm already worried it's too low. But that's a conversation for another <laughs> day, John. Uh, John, thanks so much for joining us. We appreciate it. Uh, Jason, you can give our typical sign up. Absolutely, yeah. Uh, yes, thank you again as well. This was great stuff. Even with the Bulls not having a first-round pick, maybe they'll surprise us and they'll trade into the first round. I just want to see something happen because if they just pick at 38, it'd be kind of boring, but whatever. It's fine, whatever. Draft night is always fun. Rumor season is here. Uh, next couple of days should be crazy, and you guys will be busy with preparing for this, preparing for 22, so lots of fun, crazy week. And then free agency starts a couple days after, so that's uh, obviously exciting as well. So, yeah, uh, we will be back uh, on Thursday night on draft night. I believe we will try to do a Spotify green room. Hopefully uh, a recording will actually record this time and we can actually post it, but that'll probably be later in the night because obviously Ricky will be very busy covering draft stuff. Uh, I will be doing some stuff as well, just with the bulls. We'll see what they do. Uh, so yeah, so that should be sometime Thursday night. We'll do a Spotify green room and that should be hopefully fun. Even if the bulls have a boring night, uh, again, for us here at Cash Considerations, as always, shout out to the Blue Wire Network. Check out Blue Wire Hustle again. More information in the description of this podcast. If you want to go apply, please go do that. Uh, for our pod here, please rate and review us. Let us know how we're doing. Uh, give us feedback. 
uh, wherever you listen to your podcasts. Uh, for us on Twitter, I'm at Bulls underscore J. Ricky is at SB underscore Ricky. Again, please go check out all of Ricky's great draft work this week. The article he just wrote. Uh, which guy was that again? I, f- I already Sharif forgot. Sharif Cooper. That's right. And then all coming up this week, all this great draft stuff. And then after that for 2022 mock drafts. So go, go follow Ricky if you somehow don't. Go check out all this great draft work as well. Uh, yeah, so happy draft week, guys. Uh, should be a lot of fun. Hopefully we get some craziness. We'll see if there's any trades. I feel like there's always a lot of hype around a lot of trades and stuff happening, and then it always ends up being kind of lame. But we'll see what happens uh, this week, and then after that with trades beyond. So thanks again, John, for joining us, and we'll talk to you guys next time on Thursday. And happy draft week once again. Take it easy. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's U-N-I-F-Y-D healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.